This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we discuss what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. Like the frown on Ayush's face. Hmm. This is yours truly, Cherry Agarwal, and we are back after two weeks. One reason probably because Ayush and Gaurav don't show up for recordings. And I have with me Ayush Tiwari, a head of research and apparently hidden podcasting talent at News Laundry, as someone recently told you, right? Uh, someone means Amit Verma, <laughs> the host of the country's most popular podcast. Uh, yeah, that's someone. Listen, popular is, is very subjective term. Okay, fine. So when the compliments are directed towards me, it's subjective. Uh, I hope no, it's subjective I mean, when it's directed at you, right? I mean, it's the ter- popularity itself is subjective. It's based on people's perception, but... Uh, Yawn. <laughs> so, Aish... If I may come back to that word, why do people think you are a hidden talent? Probably because you don't show up? No, it's because there are talents, but the persons on whose but podcast... But yours is hidden. People can't no, see it. No, no, no. But the person on whose <laughs> podcast I usually appear on does not recognize it, which is you. Uh, okay. So that's that, that's uh, what makes me a hidden talent. So basically, I can't see your talent. D- right. Because you don't have any? No, because you have... Um, Colored lens. What is that word? <laughs> Ch- uh, Parikshit? <laughs> what is that lens? Are you just giving me an example of your talent? No, when you say when you, you have bias, tinted, tinted lens or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Today we'll be hearing from two other brilliant voices who've been doing some great work when it comes to the new space. Stay tuned to know who these people are because we'll be patching in their recording in a bit. So this has been quite a week. We, yeah. There were Kashmir-related developments. Uh, such a great leader passed away. Sushma Swaraj passed away. Right. What did you think made the most headlines? Well, um, it's it's a definitely a historic week. And it's also historic in the sense the number of times the word historic has been used in all the headlines, I thought. Because obviously, the first starting with the incremental deployment of troops, of Indian troops in Kashmir, and then the sudden jolt that came with it on the 5th of August, mm-hmm. when Amit Shah stood in the Rajya Sabha and said, we are doing away with Article 370. Those were the headlines that dominated. And if you see, I think most striking was the Telegraph headline, which said partition, partition. which was, I thought, 20% flippant also. But uh, yeah, that it, I mean, even the newspapers that weren't as you know as um, overreacting to it as telegraph did give a lot of space on the front page to that development so yes i think for that reason did you think didn't overreact um i don't know how to say overreact overreact in the sense that partition wouldn't have been the word to use i mean historic and unprecedented and unparalleled is all right but partition was actually just too much. But the others gave it fair amount of space. I mean, in terms of actually, it's a monumental development. So that's fine. Could Indian you Express. Explain this development. Yeah. So as I said, you know, Article Three Seventy was abrogated, and um, till now we don't have any clarity on the, you know, how legally approvable it is. But yeah, it's it's gone. It's been passed in the Rajya Sabha and the Lok Sabha, and with it goes the Article Thirty Five A 
which allowed for actually did not allow for residents of uh, in Indian residents outside the state of Jammu and Kashmir to buy land mm. in the state. Uh, this was obviously tactically done because Article 35A, which you know disbarred people or Indian residents from outside the state of Jammu and Kashmir from buying land and purchasing property in the state, that went away and it was tactically removed. So, for example, the order that put uh, Article 35A in, in place was called the Constitution Application to Jammu and Kashmir Order 54. This one was called the same, but 2019. Okay. So it superseded it. So that meant effectively that one was, you know, null and void. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know the obviously the legal ramifications of this, but uh, now we are stuck with this development and we'll have to see as reporters, uh, mm -hmm. as journalists in the coming days, how it impacts people not only in Kashmir but the rest of the country. So One there we are. One of the things, I mean, 370 basically gave special status to Jammu and Kashmir, right? They had, apart from three aspects, they could form their own laws and they also had their own Ranbir Penal Code like we have the Indian Penal Code. So, one of the questions I had, I don't have an answer to this yet. Would the Indian Penal Code apply in Kashmir? What happens to the Ranbir Penal Code now? I think it goes just like the Kashmiri constitution. I mean, it supersedes it. For example, the constitution of Kashmir, I don't know if it's just um, ineffective as such, but in any matters where the constitutional references would be needed, the Indian constitution would be given a greater reference. Uh, and it's so also very interesting how all this played out, right? Uh, for example, Article 370 uh, said that they would have to get the approval of the Constituent Assembly, which doesn't exist, right? But right now there's no state legislature as well, which could have played the role of a Constituent Assembly in Jammu and Kashmir. So the power basically rests with the centre. So did the centre take its own permission to pass something for which they needed state legislature's permission? Yeah, that's what they did. And look... Article 370 was part of this sacred commitment or a sacred agreement between India and the then princely state of Jammu and Kashmir, which said during the instrument of accession that we'll join the Indian Union, but as this is the you know terms of agreement, besides these three topics, we have our own, we'll write our own laws and we'll decide our own fate. So that is, you know, not just Modi government, but starting from Nehru, that autonomy that Kashmir wanted had been eroded over the years. So in the sense, there was not much autonomy that Kashmir had, and no one would say that Kashmir had much of an autonomy. So scrapping 370 does not actually make much of a difference. The only thing is that it had a symbolic value for Kashmiris, who at least expected the Indian state to have pretend that they care about them, you know, they hold elections, although we've rigged a couple of them in the <laughs> 80s. But even that pretension's gone now, which I is why we fall back on the ground reports that we should discuss in the Indian Express today. Yeah, the there were very few ground reports from Kashmir. Uh, the Telegraph put out a report saying Shankarsan Thakur and another correspondent who were in Srinagar, they haven't been able to get in touch with them from Sunday midnight onwards. And I mean, if you sort of do away with internet, do away with communication lines, how will reporters put out reports? Exactly. It's, 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 from what you hear, it sounds very draconian because 
it's understandable for the state you know we've almost occupied that territory for a long time now it it's it is an occupation i mean if you just step back from all the nationalist nonsense we have we have to put so much forces there and almost bully people into convincing them that they are part of india and the indian union but to disallow journalists who tell the story of that occupation that's uh, that's not democratic at all and i mean i don't know why we are putting up with this uh aish what did you think was underreported or a news that got lost in all this that happened uh one thing i thought that was underreported was the nrc in assam the latest development where there were people were issued notices of showing up to the designated authorities Within 48 hours 24 hours what yes i read 24 hours and some of these designated authorities are way far they're outside the home districts of the people who got these mm-hmm. so some of them had to travel 300 400 kilometers within 24 hours with a family member and the documents uh, that just got lost on 5th of august Uh, so that was one and it also um, included people whose names are part of the nrc and they have to get it re-verified it, oh really well i think there was a scroll report and indian express who put this out abhishek saha from indian express did put out a very good report hmm. i thought sushma swaraj's death also did not get as much coverage as it would have if the kashmir issue wasn't hogging the limelight right and i am seeing this in comparison with the recent deaths we've seen and the newspaper coverage or the tv media coverage that we've seen for example sheila dikshit if you look at the career that sushma swaraj has had and sort of the personality she built with what we call diplomacy twitter diplomacy it's amazing how this kashmir issue sort of covered or eclipsed the coverage that uh, Sushma Swaraj's death would have received. One of the other things that I thought was really underreported over the last two weeks because we didn't have that last episode was the passage of Unlawful Activities Prevention Amendment Bill 2019. By the way, can, before, before we go into that, can I just whine about the New York Times? Of course, a man has to interrupt what a woman is saying, but no, yes, no, no. go on. No, no, no. I didn't realize you were changing the topic. But so when the New York Times, uh, it broke the news on the internet, on the web edition of the New York Times, the headline of article 370 being scrapped goes india revokes kashmir special status raising fears of unrest mm-hmm. not too significant not too remarkable but i checked the the pdf version of the front page and the front page pay headline they've put of the same article it goes hindu led india puts clamp on muslim kashmir and i thought it was rather disingenuous of them to change headlines uh, put one headline in the paper and put one headline on the web edition a lot of papers do it indian express does it yes, i wouldn't but this is significant i mean you know that kind of headline will have some sort of a, your headlines a message right and if you're putting a headline on a very historic step that another country has taken to change it like this i mean you're calling india hindu led here and calling kashmir muslim but in that you're not even implying anywhere why is that changing I don't understand why they did that. No, I'm I mean headlines change because of space constraints. For example, I remember when the Supreme Court judges had that press conference, the paper Indian Express ka front page read something along the lines oh lordships, but that wasn't the headline on their website. It was a much longer headline on their website because because when you're printing the paper, there are space constraints. You can take more leeway online or the 
or vice versa depending on how much content you have right but when you put the same headline online and you have the option of making it bigger why would you omit the important fact about uh, making the point about hindu and muslim why did they not make the same point in online is what i'm asking why didn't they put hindu india revokes muslim kashmir special state status i get what you're trying to get at but right. what i'm saying is just because the headlines aren't same we can't draw this conclusion this is my opinion yeah i think that's a wrong opinion but anyway let's go on of course <laughs> men so going back to the point i was making uh, one of the things i thought was super underreported was the passage of the uapa bill i really thought it was super important because in a nutshell it gives permission to the government without following any formal judicial process they can unilaterally label anyone terrorist yes if you have let's say terrorist related literature that you are so interested in reading about you can be labeled a terrorist yeah yeah actually and not just that it also says if you have anyone who harbors a terror theory which amit shah said in the in the parliament in what's speech. a terror theory i mean that that depends on person to person if he's a sanghi some sanghis believe islam is a terror theory for example one of the when famous scientists on twitter believes this so there are all kinds of people how does the government set a standard but i'll just quote from amit shah's speech that you were referring to this is what our home minister actually said quote and then there are those who attempt to plant terrorist literature and terrorist theory in the minds of the young guns do not give rise to terrorists the root of terrorism is the propaganda that is done to spread it the frenzy that is spread terrorist literature and terrorist propaganda is what is going to get you labeled or terrorist and you can just be thrown into prison and how did the media miss it like there were reports on this but it did not get as much coverage as it should have given the importance of such a law and given how we've seen the government given how there are 10 activists still rotting in prison i mean the usage of uapa has received criticism but given this amendment i thought it required much more coverage Yeah I think the media chose to overlook it and the answer to why they chose to overlook is has definitely uh, has a sinister connotation because not just this for example the if the government calls someone's a terrorist or labels someone's a, a terrorist it's the burden of proof to prove your innocence lies on that person what burden of proof do individuals really have by the way in front of governments in the modern world especially in this it country it goes against what is sort of a, the cornerstone theory of exactly yeah a constitution right innocent until proven guilty not just that on the that there's a logical fallacy board at news laundry which says the burden of proof lies on the person who's making a claim if the government's making a claim you should send a copy to amit yeah. the last question before we go on to these uh, two brilliant people whom we spoke to at the media rumble i just want to i was wondering with kashmir taking so much limelight was this a headline management was it is there a news piece that the media is missing out on that the media is not covering and which is getting lost behind the kashmir issue well i was thinking the media is not connecting the dots for example i thought that what if uh, two years from now i want to know how many people in kashmir have been designated as ad- as terrorists because obviously now it's a union territory we have the police there which is controlled by the center so that thing will be going on people will be labeled terrorists and with this uap amendment bill and the kashmir issue 
Yeah, and what if I want to know how many people have been designated terrorists under the UPA through an RTI? Well, the RTI amendment yes. bill will no longer so give you that information. So the worst case scenario is very bad that way. If you just look at the three, someone should be writing this piece till right now of how these last three amendments to crucial acts can actually make life hell for a lot of innocent people. And now consider August 15th is coming right up. Modi yeah. ji has this big speech. By the way, we should mention that UAPA has been traditionally and most famously by Mrs. Indira Gandhi used against political opponents. It's a father Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru who introduced it in the 16th amendment. It was passed through uh, curb secessionist movements and you know people who were uh, not did not want to be part of the Indian Union but now it's uh, in 2004 they changed the word unlawful to i think terror so these g- the grammar of the bill has been changing over time and but the motive of it has traditionally remained the same since the 70s that you target your political opponents uh now we'll quickly move to a conversation with jignesh patel and pooja choudhary from the alt news team these guys have been doing some great work in terms of fact checking false news and fake news in the media space we caught up with them at the media rumble and we'll be listening to them talk about the difference in the two news ecosystems how do they pick news that they fact check and is it possible for organizations the size of alt news to fact check the scale of misinformation that is out there so ayush before we begin their conversation do you have a favorite alt news story that changed your world Yeah I think the best thing they've ever done and they've written a lot of good things but the best is when they found this Google Doc with tweets that were to, to be circulated to the BJP ah, uh, you know the BJP Twitterati mm-hmm. and they went and edited it <laughs> these idiots on the, on Twitter they actually tweeted it out so mm-hmm. I think one of them was uh, Modi's promise that I'll make a change in 5 months and they changed that to 500 months <laughs> that's how it was tweeted out so yeah, that's my favorite story of all time yeah okay so let's hear from Pooja and Jignesh also joining me during that conversation was Gaurav who unfortunately isn't here today because he's at the supreme court so we are here at the media rumble and let me introduce the panel right now we have with us gorav sarkar hi gorav hi chari it's such a different setting today except for like not being in the studio it's a very drastic yeah it's fun also we also have with us jignesh and pooja both from the alt news team hi pooja welcome to reporters without others hi chari it's so good to be here um and hi jignesh hi chari So let's just begin with first talking about your work. Mm-hmm. What do you both do at Alt News? Could you tell us I mean Alt News needs no introduction. Could you tell us a little bit about the work that you both do? So me and Pooja uh, write stories for Alt News and we also monitor content that is viral on social media, basically misinformation and we also do uh, media misreports. That is one of the thing that we do. and we follow basically social media and um, we cover all the misinformation that is viral on whatsapp facebook twitter like any other platform and including mainstream media yeah, including we also if something goes on mainstream media even if it if you know probably not watched by a lot of people but if it's the media we make sure that we do cover it because it's a bigger deal if uh, the media itself you know adds to the to the misinformation yeah yeah so sometimes uh, the recent story that we did was on gujarati mainstream media channels 
using some video from Maharashtra and saying that that is uh, a dam is being flooded dam. in Varodra. I mean, that could create panic. There is already panic there. And you're showing some visuals like these. And you're saying that, you know, this is like a Niagara Fall. That is what so they did. So the mainstream media, which is supposed to be the guiding light, the yeah. beacon is actually spreading actually. misinformation. But and on the contrary, they're also fact-checking. <laughs> they are also fact-checking stuff on social media, but they do not fact-check anything that is being put out, I mean, by the, you know, stringers or their reporters. They do not verify the content. I mean, that's very ironic. Before we go into the details of what your thoughts on media's reportage on different issues, I do want to ask, could you tell us the difference between fake news, false news, misinformation, disinformation? Is there a difference or are these all just words that can be used interchangeably? Do you want to answer that? Um, there is um, slight uh, distinctions. So misinformation is, you know, more collo colloquially fake news, right? But... Um, misinformation is a very broad spect spectrum like it's a it's a set and you have um, say disinformation in, in it you have misleading information in it not everything is fake news like you know saying half of uh, an issue you know you know you're covering something you're not you're covering something but you you're only telling half the story that itself is slightly misleading so that also comes under the purview of misinformation i remember um uh, there was some um, story um, you know just mm. way in if i but, might yeah. be wrong there was some uh, story on uh, i think um, uh, Muslims uh, in UP or something yeah. celebrating Bakrid by uh, cutting not you know not slaughtering uh, slaughtering goats but cutting a cake. Now they weren't Muslims in UP. They were Muslims from a specific organization which is affiliated to the RSS. So now you know if you are saying that you know Muslims in UP are you know cutting cakes instead of um, you know doing what they do, you are giving an impression that you know they are the voice of the Muslim community in Uttar Pradesh, which is absolutely wrong because, you know, the specific set of people are doing it. So this also comes under the purview of misinformation, you know, half truths. I want to weigh in on that. Actually, yeah, especially that is important because there is an organization that they are affiliated to and you're not highlighting that. You're presenting it as the Muslim community celebrating something, right? That is misinformation. Because that huh, also that, is misleading. Huh, it does not have to be absolutely false, yeah, right? Because, because you're misleading the people. You're saying that the whole community is celebrating that. That is a chunk of people who are affiliated to an ex-organization and not the Muslim community. On the whole, yeah. Yeah. So my next question to you guys is, like both of us, Gaurav and I work in a digital newsroom and one thing like you pointed out is a lot of times media organizations add to the misinformation. So when we talk about media's coverage of news events, how, what, what do you think media's role has been in covering misinformation? Given that there are fact-check units within organizations, do you think they've been capable enough? Do you think they have added to the misinformation at certain instances that you've mentioned? And is there a particular story that stood out in terms of media's coverage of the story and then it turned out to be, oh, wow, that was just misinformation? Can I, 
Yeah. Okay, the first thing uh, that comes to my mind um, is uh, I remember we did a story on how um, Facebook, Facebook's fact-checking partners, which are, um, uh, you know, uh, mainstream media outlets like, you know, India Today is a fact-checking partner and then you have the Jagran Group. So mainstream media outlets uh, which published, uh, you know, misinformation after the Pulwama attack. So lots of mis- you, if you if you remember, there were these videos of, uh, you know, airstrikes, Balakot airstrikes. They had nothing to do with the airstrike. They were old videos, you know, and mainstream media itself played it, you know, in, on their uh, broadcast. So it's not, it's... Yeah, you have fact-checking desks, and it's a good thing. I think it's it's a very good initiative that mainstream media has stepped up because they obviously have a higher reach than, uh, you know, uh, something like Alt News or a Boom Live or a Hoax Lair. So it's absolutely amazing that they have, uh, you know, um, gotten into this. But um, there is, you can ask a question of sincerity that, you know, are you how good a job you're doing because if you are a fact fact checker you have a you have a dedicated desk and you are spreading misinformation and you are not fact checking or clarifying the misinformation that you're putting out yourself so you know some sort of double standards are visible there and the other thing is that uh, the mainstream media outlets that uh are into fact-checking. They are not basically fact-checking things that are important. They are fact-checking things like, this is not a soldier from India, this is soldier from Argentina. I mean, we do that sometimes. That is misinformation, basically. To be, to be fair, uh, you know, what is important or not, I mean, it's, that's a little... That's tricky because no, anything that is not uh, true is, yeah. is important. I know that there is some misinformation which is like, you know, more dangerous than the rest but um, I mean but it's okay isn't that I mean, the call as of the as, as I mean what is what is media no, supposed to the, do then the call of the R is that they are getting into it the call I know that there are, there is a lot more than you can do with it but mm. you know a year from now we it, it wasn't even a topic you at least have dedicated desks so it's a little unfair to say that you know you're fact checking this and not that but because no. you know the point is to fact check the point is to you know tell people that you know whatever news you read not everything is true so that critical thinking needs to be developed right okay so for example uh, let's just say i'll point out one example that was widespread that it was claimed that atis tasir is a pakistani right and they were saying they were questioning his citizenship and all that stuff right and that was like prevalent everybody everybody in the media circle also was discussing that Everybody pointed out that on social media and people were thinking that, oh, he's a Pakistani citizen, so he can write something like this. But that fact check, we had put out that fact check, nobody did. And that was a mainstream news that he's not a Pakistani. I mean, how much effort does it take for a fact checking website to just put out the facts and talk to Atish Tarsi? But I, I think mean, I, the agree, kind of I agree with Pooja when she says mm. that priorities mm. and choices of what mm. a fact check unit or what a media organization says is mm. big news for them worthy enough to put back resources behind it. I think it's it varies no, from newsroom to newsroom. Question room. the motive. Where is the motive? Absolutely question, mm. but 
your question also comes from the place that you are coming from right yeah. you think that is important and the rest of the media didn't cover mm. it it could it could be very different for for the media organization that you're asking they don't think it's important so i don't think we can just say that if they are not covering it question the but motive because it's our job as journalists yeah. to question it but just because they are not covering we can't say oh they are bad or evil for not covering and that and i don't think it's an either or situation i mean uh, you can say that you know you are covering you know misinformation which someone might say you might think that it's not important but why can't they they can do both right if if you're covering a, a photoshop yeah i mean it's okay to cover um, you know fake news which is a little you know not so important not that dangerous so yeah. you know i think the disparity lies that in the fact that sometimes it's subjective what is important and what is not yeah, exactly. it will differ from exactly. media organization to yeah. media organization but he's right when he says that sometimes there is a need of the hour and a calling of the hour which no matter which whether you lean to the left right or the center you have to acknowledge that this issue is greater than that particular issue of and then you back your resources into that issue my contention or actually my concern sometimes with fact checking stories stories that are solely reported on fact checks you know which says fact check colon blah 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 like that it comes from a reader point of view where uh, it's it it's it's sometimes a lot like legal reporting or financial reporting where there are certain terms and the structure of the story is not reader friendly it's very boom 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 point after point after point so it doesn't give you a colorful narrative or a sort of mood to draw the reader in is there a way we can fact check stories have the same impact and still like give the reader what they want i mean uh, there is yeah i completely agree yeah true i mean fact checking is a new i mean beat in all in india right and fact checkers will discover new ways to tell their stories and this is the format that we have been using and everybody is using right now that you you there is a set of a claim that you you state that on in the introduction you state that this is the claim that is viral on social media you say that who has shared this and then you go to fact check and you solve the process but the basic idea behind that the the format that you are questioning is that people should understand and people should you know get the point that why we say these are the facts and where did we get it from i just you know? i want to ask like that is the else? flow of the story that the reader can follow the fact check and he himself can verify cross verify whatever we have written so that is very different from regular news story say for example nobody is going to question you and say that where did you get this it would Pooja, be constructive it would be constructive feedback like if you know you as a reader if you find that you know fact check articles are a little difficult to you know probably follow or they're not interesting you could we could make it more because the point is to reach as many people as possible so, so any feedback uh, is constructive yeah, yeah, feedback yeah 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 so if you have what how would you if if you were writing a fact check story how do you think that it should be so also i think that this whole fact checking medium and beat is so new that it's still evolving in a certain way so we're still looking for ways to narrate stories to draw the reader in but we'll have to explore that because it's not like legacy media which is 60 70 80 right. years old you know we're still discovering things in that space um, true so uh, taking the conversation forward i think the next question i wanted to ask was Uh, we were discussing ecosystems before we began recording and how do you perceive or what's your perception of how different is a fact checking ecosystem from a traditional digital newsroom my question is coming from 
let's say the format is we talk about what was overreported, what was underreported. So if I put that question to you, how would you perceive this question? How would you differently answer this in terms of the difference between the two newsrooms that we represent? Um, I think the the base is a little different because the kind of stories we we pick up are either you know things that are not being talked about so like you know jignesh and i were having a conversation just uh, right before we began that you know he was saying that how misinformation itself is a beat in itself you you can add on that so um you know while we are uh, you know pure fact checking websites but you know misinformation by a lot of you know like like the legacy media they, you have one desk you have one desk where you have a couple of fact checkers who are you know doing some stories but why can't it be regarded as a beat i mean fact checking misinformation itself you know people should be you know informed that you know this is wrong and this was what was going on so we have a certain reach right alt news has a certain reach but a lot of people still haven't heard of the website you know so uh, it can be it can be made into a beat in itself so yeah i was just suggesting her that you know uh, the kind of fact checking i mean coming to the same point the kind of fact checking that these mainstream media outlets are doing i mean they could do much better because they have so much of resources that yeah they are so resourceful that they can you know hire more people write more stories i mean the misinformation is not dying of because of alt news or boom live or sm hoax layer 10 more fact checkers i mean india is 1.2 billion people and 1.2 billion people means 1 billion at least 1 billion what's saying 1.2 billion is spreading fake news no no i'm not saying that i'm saying they are receiving that right mm-hmm. I'm just saying nobody is mm-hmm. you know uh, I mean there are the re- the source of the fake news is somebody with a ulterior motive somebody who is just sharing it somebody just you know played a prank on somebody it can be anything but the kind of fake news that is received is like my family my family three people have three mobile phones right mm-hmm. everybody gets a certain kind of feed everybody gets a certain kind of feed like mine is more filtered but my mom and dad's phone is not that filtered i mean i guess mm. that is to do with everybody you have to see that it's all about general public i mean at large i want to come back to mm. how do you guys we were talking about how the choice of stories between the two kinds of newsrooms is different mm. how do you pick your stories why do you pick particular stories yeah so uh, we we basically track and monitor facebook twitter we have a new app right now where people send us requests for fact checks and then people tag us on twitter and some people also you know alert us saying that you you know this is viral and this is being shared and it's fake news or it's misinformation so anything that goes viral is what you cover yeah basically because that, i mean the kind of resource that alt news has i mean we have to you know uh, pick and choose ha pick and choose basically can't we can't do yeah yeah so there is so much misinformation there right like people are constantly tagging us uh, sending us stuff on whatsapp they are now we have the app so we are getting requests on our app so i think it depends on how viral the content is a lot of times on whatsapp you know because you you can't track whatsapp messages you can't really figure out how viral content is but you know we just try to find out if it's you know been shared by a lot of people we and it's fake we usually pick it up i do want to get back on uh, you know about under reporting 
So I think uh, the recent child kidnapping rumors, I mean, we should really like talk about them because um, why was it not picked up by any mainstream media? You know, all of us know that, you know, more than 30 people had died last year in mob lynchings. They have been, there have been so many videos and messages which have been going on on social media. We have uh, debunked some six of them, but there are a lot more that we haven't been able to. But why hasn't, why isn't it a topic of discussion on your primetime debates? I mean, why are you discussing non-issues? So, you know, discussing non-issues, not picking up something which is important and discussing spending time on something that is absolutely a non-issue is also misleading people. Like, uh, you definitely go yeah. ahead. So, getting back to the point that you know, uh, how do we pick and choose? I mean, Pooja rightly said that we have uh, so much only resources in our office, and we don't have the bandwidth as much as we would like to. You know, debunk everything that is possible in our reach, but. We pick and choose stories based on the virality and based on it's important that, I mean, for example, something like child kidnapping rumor, that rumor is spreading on, say, for example, and we, at least we have received, we have not seen that on Facebook and Twitter so far as much, but because we get that on WhatsApp, we have a gut feeling that it's, you know, it's it's viral on WhatsApp, WhatsApp and people are sharing it. To and become viral. especially uh, coming to the point that Pooja raised, that you know this child kidnapping rumor here in Delhi, nobody is talking about that. That in MP, in ten days, fifteen people were beaten up due to these rumors. And this was specifically due to the rumors. Yeah, due like to the rumors. Due to the child kidnapping. Yeah, the yeah. And fifteen people were beaten. Nobody is killed right now. So. Is the media is the media waiting for somebody to be get killed? Um, actually, hmm. there ha- uh, a trans uh, person in West Bengal was killed due to child kidnapping rumors no, pretty I, recently in MP. MP. Yeah. And on the topic of MP, so uh, when uh, we were uh, there was a video uh, of he did a uh, he found out uh, about a video where a mentally challenged man was. Uh, um, thought to be a child kidnapper. There was another uh, video where a drunk woman was mistaken to be a child kidnapper. So, it's so difficult to find these. Uh, so, sh- she was hounded by people. Sh- she was a woman who was beaten up in public. Nobody knows. Some happened somewhere in MP. She was admitted to the hospital. How we found out about it? We started, you know, searching on the internet. If some, you know, media outlet has reported it, we found it in a compilation article by, I'm not sure, Dainik Jagran or Patrik or somewhere. Ten stories they have reported uh, and, you know, as may say, you know, one paragraph is dedicated to that woman who was beaten up and it just sounded similar to me. So I was like, it must be it. Then you start calling the police station. So a woman this was... brings a very important question that I want to ask. Uh, Jignesh had already mentioned that there are so many people out there who are receiving false information, fake news, misinformation, and there are limited outlets doing fact-checking. The scale of these outlets are very small. Mm -hmm. There are fact-checking units within traditional media outlets, legacy houses, but these are very small units. So what hope do you guys have for verifying this information? And do you think such organizations are enough or where do we go from here? I think an educational intervention needs to be uh, brought in. I mean, uh, if you read alt news articles, we don't we don't just say you know this is false, this is true. We give an elaborate uh, you know uh, we elaborate on yeah explanation on how 
we fact check something so i think an educational intervention would really help because people would be able to fact check themselves i think uh, that is the solution too and it's not important that you know you fact check everything the point is to fact check enough so that people develop this uh, a thought that you know i might receive miss some information that is not true so the point is not to fact check everything and you know serve it on a platter the point is to develop critical thinking so as long as we are doing that we are able to do that with the help of other fact checking outlets and mainstream media i think we would get positive results okay but, but you know isn't there still a certain disparity as cherry said there's a certain disparity between the amount and the sheer hmm. voluminous amount of fake news that's circling around and you have a limited number of organizations fact checking this yeah. so there's a clear disparity in that going ahead is there a way you can tackle it in the short run because i mean it it's anyway taken a while for fact checking to be established as a beat as something that needs to be done hmm. so is there a way to tackle this 10 is to 5000 number you know that that is that which has created the sense of disparity i think more fact checking needs to be done definitely by But independent houses who only fact check or even by traditional media houses who should put no, in I more resources i think traditional media should get in and in high time they should really pitch in and start you know producing fact checks mm-hmm. and so that more more people read fact checks and the uh, the the other problem with uh, mainstream media fact checking this uh, uh, you know writing fact check articles and debunking misinformation mm-hmm. is that they are not really publishing and using their print medium right now because it's more about visual mm. but then also i mean just to make people aware about mm. the thing that is viral on social media i mean it does huge amount of work sure i mean half the game is done because everybody is reading the newspaper yeah. everybody is aware of that that this kind of rumor is circulating even if they have not received it they might receive it you know this sort of brings me to my next question which huh. which i it sort of struck me when we were talking huh. right now we've seen fact checking as a beat de- as i was saying it's hmm. developed in the last couple of years do you think it's developed because we have an irresponsible electorate who wants to consume certain fake news that's put out or do they not have an option to consume that fake news or is fact checking a knee jerk reaction to the electorate wanting to consume such fake news i don't think anybody wants to consume fake news um, not uh, intentionally what about the people who want to push fake news yeah they 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 want the people who are pushing fake news that's a deliberate attempt but do do people in general want to consume fake news i don't think so i don't think anybody wants to be misinformed people who have an agenda the ones who push misinformation yeah they want others to consume it but, but wouldn't you always agree with the side that you resonate with you know like for example you might say that the apple is red i might say that the apple is black but what if somebody wants to believe for a fact that the apple is black so they will side with that particular point what i'm trying to say is that an irresponsible electorate has led us today of course to actually establish independent fact checking houses yeah which is why i said that an educational intervention is needed okay. i mean you know the only so you know so there is a political motive behind fake news also right so it's not going to end anytime soon so you can't expect uh, political parties to um, become be- better like you know change you know turn over a new leaf what you can do is make the electorate more um, uh, you know uh, informed that they themselves question and not consume anything and everything that is thrown at them so i agree that yeah the elect and a misinformed and uninformed electorate adds to the problem for sure 
so there you go guys you have it there you have to be informed for media to be informed for media to inform you you have to be informed as well uh thank you so much for joining us guys thanks the, the pleasure was ours that was pooja and jignesh from alt news are you sure one there at that conversation because you were actually doing nothing at media rumble no i was actually interviewing pratik sinha i was actually interviewing the boss when you went doing them ah so yes. i actually interview foot soldiers who do the work but given that we are at the close of this podcast what's your recommendation ayush so i have two recommendations so first one is pratik's excellent story titled dissecting the maoist document about gautam navraka mm-hmm. which uh, looks at this document which the pune police supposedly got hold of and they pointed at pointed to it and said you know this is what indicts him so we actually this pratik's story shows it's a sham so people should read that and the second recommendation is this wonderful story on uh, actually article on the hindu called the new facts on the ground for kashmir which uh, talks about the rather the ramifications that are not being discussed in the mainstream media the interesting things that will come into place uh, because now it's a union territory with no 370 so i think people should read that too yeah my recommendation is an explainer on prs india's website it is a uh, it is a breakdown of what the amendment the uap amendment bill was do check it out and the second recommendation is the panel discussion that took place at the media rumble called calling out our own it was a very interesting conversation between people from opposing views if i can say so so do check these out also do consider subscribing to newslaundry.com we are an independent organization and we depend on you for support Also if you have any feedback criticism love or brickbats do tweet to any of us you can write to me at charityatnewslaundry.com do remember our nl sena project about media ownership is up on our website it will give you details about who owns your media organizations we did this once earlier and we want to do this project again but it will only be possible if you step up and support us and listeners if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes Stitcher or even Spotify don't forget to log on to w- www.newsroundy.com to check out the other cool stuff that we do besides podcast cherry what is the other cool stuff comics articles reports quizzes which you were supposed to do but it never saw the light of the day after that one oh, okay. also you me. can help us by putting a word out about this amazing super fantastic podcast done by young reporters like ayush you can tweet with hashtag reporters without orders happy subscribing all the news laundry podcasts are available on stitcher itunes and any other podcast platform please subscribe to news laundry help us keep news independent catch all our podcasts on news pop culture current affairs and sport visit newslaundry.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram and subscribe to our youtube channel